Hello and welcome to Connect Points podcast and sermon archives. If you'd like to learn more about our church, please go online to our website at connectpointupc.com or follow us on our Facebook page. Thank you very much and I hope you enjoy this week's message. God bless. Genesis, the 37th chapter, we're going to read 11 verses, starting with verse 1. Thank you so much for your worship today and your prayer. I feel the Lord in this house, and the love of God is here. I feel like God wants to help us today. Genesis 37 Beginning with the first verse, and Jacob dwelt in the land wherein his father was a stranger in the land of Canaan. These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brethren, and the lad was with the sons of Bilah, and with the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives, and Joseph brought unto his father their evil report. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age. He made him a coat of many colors. And when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. And Joseph dreamed a dream, and he told it his brethren, and they hated him yet the more. And he said unto them, Here I pray you this dream which I have dreamed. For behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and lo, my sheaf rose and also stood upright. And behold, your sheaves stood round about and made obeisance to my sheaf. And his brethren said to him, Shalt thou indeed reign over us, or shalt thou indeed have dominion over us? And they hated him yet the more for his dreams and for his words. And he dreamed yet another dream and told it to his brethren and said, Behold, I have dreamed a dream more. Behold, the sun and the moon and the eleven stars made obeisance to me. He told it to his father and to his brethren, and his father rebuked him and said unto him, What is this dream that thou hast dreamed? Shall I and thy mother and thy brethren indeed come to bow down ourselves to thee to the earth? His brethren envied him, but his father observed the saying. Amen. I feel like the Lord has directed me this week to use this rather well-known story to make a simple point, and and then I think God's going to bless us and help us today. And uh, I just want to talk about your dream, God's plan. Amen? Amen. Find three people, look at them, tell them, man, I'm sure glad you're here today. As a 17-year-old young man, Joseph has a dream. It's a dream from God. We know it's a dream from God because we know the rest of the story. We know how it all plays out, how it all ultimately comes to pass. Joseph does not make it come to pass. It's important that we understand that. 
He doesn't live his life in such a way to manipulate it to coming to pass. He doesn't pretend like it came to pass just to make himself feel good. He doesn't lie to others and tell them his dream came to pass when it really didn't. It does come to pass because it was from God. In fact, his life seems to take every other direction that it can before it ever gets to the fulfillment of his dream. Until one day there he is suddenly living out the dream before his very eyes. As if coming out of nowhere, perhaps by that stage in his adult life, even somewhat unexpectedly, the dream that he had as a 17-year-old boy is playing out right in front of him. In the dream, Joseph's brothers are bundles of wheat that are bowing in reference to Joseph. Joseph himself is a bundle of wheat in the dream. Of course, he has no idea what that means and won't know until he is much older. In the second dream, Joseph is not an object at all, but his family is. They are the sun and the moon and 11 stars that are bowing or giving reference, reverence to him again. I want to point out to us today that there is a truth in this story that existed before the dreams ever occurred. We read it in 37 verses 3 through 5, that Israel, Jacob, loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age and he made him a coat of many colors. And when his brethren saw that their father loved him more, and all his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. And Joseph dreamed a dream, and he told it to his brethren, they hated him yet the more. The brothers feel that they have reason for their hatred for Joseph. Their daddy spoils him, is what they would say. Daddy pays too much attention to him. He gets treated differently than we get treated. He gets special things and special attention. They feel as if they have justification for their hatred of Joseph. They feel as if that they shouldn't have to deal with what they deal with while Joseph has what he has. They cannot seem to understand why that would be happening to them or why Joseph would be getting the treatment he is getting. The Bible tells us, though, it gives us a little bit of insight at least, when it says that he loved Joseph more than all of his children because he was the son of his old age. So he made him a coat, a coat of many colors. It's perhaps around the age of 91 years old when Jacob has Joseph come into his life. Joseph is born. Dad's 91. Joseph is only a couple years younger than his next oldest brother. And we know from the story that later, perhaps four to five years later, there would be even a younger son that would come by the name of Benjamin. And so he would eventually no longer be the youngest anymore, but there would be another child that would come after him. But at this point in time, in their lives as they are living them out for us in Scripture, Jacob really loves Joseph. Joseph is the son of his old age. Joseph is perhaps the son that he never thought he would have because Joseph is the first child of Jacob's one true love, which is Rachel. Now Rachel has had a child, a son, her first son with Jacob, and he loves this little boy. There is no Benjamin yet, 
The other ones are, are, are a few years older now, and he just loves having this little child. I don't know. I kind of have a hard time finding a lot of fault with him. I could do a whole study on why you shouldn't give one, one child more attention than the other. I could do a whole lesson on parenting and why you shouldn't give gifts to one and not give gifts to the other. You shouldn't love on one and be mean to the other. I think that's kind of common sense parenting. But we find here, I can see a little bit of understanding when you add in the realities that he's 91 years old. The love of his life has now finally had her first son, and he's got this little boy growing up who he loves very much. It's just interesting to me. I also wanted to point out that Joseph's brothers did not hate him because of his dreams. They hated him before his dreams. It wasn't because of the dreams that they hated him, but the Bible says that it was because of the dreams that they hated him even more. <laughs> As if they couldn't hate him enough the first time, they found more hate for him when he started having dreams, when he started seeing something better for his life, when he started seeing that his life might actually amount to something uh, uh, wonderful and great, and we started having dreams that things may someday be different for him than what maybe they all believed was possible or what they thought uh, their lives could ever be. Uh, they hated him long before he ever had the dreams. They just made him hate him more. Because it was in them. Somebody say it was in them. Because it was in them to hate. That's why they hated him. They hated him because that's the kind of people they were. They didn't hate him because he had a special coat. They hated him because he was someone somebody would want to give a special coat to. They hated him because they were the type of people that hated they, were, uh, they, they had issues. They had things going on in their life that were wrong. They had, they had problems. They had difficulties. They had insecurities that often, I, I believe, would grow in the face of Joseph feeling strong. There's nothing worse than someone walking around. With, when, you, when you're walking around with a bunch of insecurities and you, you get in contact with someone who's got strength and security and confidence, uh, if you're an insecure type person and you like to play into that insecurity, it just makes makes it worse. You just feel more insecure. You just feel weaker in the face of their strength. They had self-doubt that surfaced whenever Joseph would speak with confidence and whenever he would speak and declare boldly these things were going to come to pass in his life when he dared wake up in the morning with a smile on his face because he believed that there was something better waiting for him. When he would dare go out through his day with a song in his heart when they were downtrodden and hanging low and mad about everything and depressed about everything and always thinking life was horrible but here he is happy and got some peace in his life uh, they didn't like that they hated him because hatred was in them and they had they had fear that rose up in them when when joseph would have faith and his faith uh, only caused them uh, amen to, to go deeper into their fear sure they could have said you know what maybe i should be more like joseph and sure they could have said maybe i want to hang around joseph a little more than i want to ha hang around reuben uh, maybe i want to go work in the fields with joseph today and just see what he's figured out about life because i'm not real happy and i i don't really like 
like the way things are going out. I'm pretty discouraged about how my life has been thus far. Maybe I should spend some more time with Joseph and see what's got him in a place where he can lay down his head at night and have a dream that causes him to wake up with confidence and wake up with boldness and wake up with hope. They had every opportunity to figure out what in the world could possibly cause Joseph to be this way, but they didn't do it. They didn't do it because they were hate. They had hate in them. They had darkness in them. It was sin that brought that about in their life. Sure, a dad's love can go a long way, but, but this special attention that Jacob gives to Joseph is not the reason that Joseph was a dreamer. Amen. That's not the reason that Joseph was a dreamer. Joseph was a dreamer because somehow he got connected to the idea that dreams could come true. Somehow he got connected to the idea that if I can dream it, uh, then maybe I can believe it. And if I can believe it, maybe I'll see it someday come to pass in my life. He got a hold of something. I believe it was a relationship with the Almighty God. I believe he got a hold of something. The same thing that got a hold of his father, Jacob, when his name was turned to Israel. I believe Joseph found something, amen, when that change came in to his father's life and he began to say, there's more to life than this. There can, things can change. Things can be better. He, was, he had dreams because he was a dreamer. He had dreams because he believed that dreams could come to pass. He believed in something better, a life lived above and greater than the examples that were given to him. Oh, hallelujah. I said a life better than the examples that were given him. And he was willing to forego that which was available in the present to one day achieve that which lived only in his dreams. It's not wrong that Joseph dreamed. If it was, then God would not have used the dreams. See, I personally believe that Joseph was a dreamer way beyond these two dreams. Amen. I believe Joseph was a dreamer on a regular basis. I believe Joseph dreamed about things, amen, uh, that never were spoken in the word of God. I believe Joseph dreamed a lot of dreams, amen, that were positive and healthy dreams uh, that made him just be a more positive and a healthy person. And by the way, if you're a positive and healthy person, you tend to have positive and healthy dreams. And I believe he was a dreamer long before these dreams came to pass. And that's why I don't believe it was wrong that he had these dreams, that God just chose this as the way to get to this young man. He's a dreamer by heart. He's surrounded by haters, but he's a dreamer. He's surrounded by negativity, but he's a dreamer. He's surrounded by people that always think it can't happen, but he's a dreamer. And because he's a dreamer, I'm going to give him a dream. I believe there's a God in heaven today that's looking for some people that will say, I, I may not have a lot of reason to believe but there's something inside of me that believes my life can be better my family can be different I don't have to live the same way daddy lived and granddaddy lived it doesn't have to turn out the same way for me I know there's something better, better for me something better for me he's a dreamer it was a strength of Joseph that he believed in the possibility of dreams coming true it was a strength a cursory examination of his life growing up tells a powerful story. I'm not going to go into great detail about it, but I, I need you to hear it, understand where this dreamer was. 
how he lived and what he was surrounded by. Jacob, his father, has two wives. One that he wants, the other that he had to settle for. One that he loved, the other that he had to just take. These two wives live in constant competition with one another even offering Jacob their own handmaids to sleep with when they couldn't produce children. They would bring their handmaids to him, and he would produce children of them. And so we end up with Leah, the unwanted bride, has four sons to Jacob. Rachel then has her handmaid sleep with Jacob because she can't produce a child, and so her handmaid brings forth two sons. And then Leah sees that Rachel did that, and so she goes and gets her handmaid, and, and, and her handmaid produces two more sons. And then after that, Leah gets pregnant couple more times, and that brings about two more sons. And after all that, Rachel finally has her first son with Jacob and names him Joseph. That's what he got to grow up in. Now, Leah, handmaid, handmaid. That's some complicated family connections going on there. That's plenty to mess up any child, any environment. But that's not all. We know that the oldest brother, Reuben, slept with his own father's concubine, which was actually considered a wife at that point, slept with his own father's wife in a sick power move over his dad. His dad was away, and he has relationships with his dad's other. It's some sort of a power struggle between an oldest son and a father. That's not all. We know that Simeon and Levi killed all the men of a city, slaughtered every man in a city as payback for defiling their sister. And yes, yes, the man slept with their sister. But if you read the story, it's, it's not quite what you would think. We find Genesis 34, it came to pass on the third day when they were sore that the two sons of Jacob, uh, Jacob, Simeon, and Levi, Dinah's brother, and took each man his sword and came upon the city boldly and slew all the males. They slew Hamar and Shechem and his son with the edge of the sword and took Dinah out of Shechem's house and went out. And the sons of Jacob, here now it says the sons of Jacob, which you could infer to mean all of the, the rest of them except for Joseph. The sons of Jacob came upon the slain and spoiled the city because they had defiled their sister. They took their sheep and their oxen and their asses and that which was in the city and that which was in the field and all their wealth and all their little ones and their wives took they captive and spoiled even all that was in the house. Now, mind you, yes, yes, this man, amen, slept with their sister Dinah before they were married, and, and there was plenty of biblical wrong and law that was against that, but he, the, the man comes to, to Jacob and says, I'm in love with your daughter, and, and I, I, want, I want us to be married, and I want you to give me her daughter. She, it, it wasn't necessarily the way that we think it played out, and, and, and he's trying to make it right, but these two boys decide that the thing that they're going to do uh, is go and kill every single man in the city and 
take captive all of their children and all their wives and all of their goods and destroy an entire city and say it was because they were given retribution because of their sister Dinah. But this puts the whole family at risk. In verse 30, Jacob said to Simeon and Levi, ye have troubled me to make me to stink among the inhabitants of the land, among the Canaanites and the Perizzites. And I being few in number, they shall gather themselves together against me and slay me and I shall be destroyed. I and my house. You're going to get us all killed. You're going to get us all killed because of your power struggles and because of the hate that you got in your heart and because you can't ever be satisfied with anything and because you think you're better than everyone else and because you can kill somebody, you kill them and because you can put them down, you put them down and because you can overrun them, you overrun them. You just do whatever you want to do and now you've put a curse on us, a stink on us and we're now living under the threat that someone's going to come. We don't have that many people. We're not that big of a nation. We're just a small family and now we can be killed and in the midst of wives that hate each other and concubines with children and an older brother trying to usurp his powers and authority of his father and two other brothers slaughtering people for fun. In the midst of all this is Joseph trying to hold on to a dream. Trying to believe that surely there's something better than this. Surely this is not the only way a person can live their life. Surely I don't have to accept the hate. And I don't have to accept the darkness. And I don't have to crawl into that cave. Surely I don't have to hate other people to be happy. Surely I don't have to tear other people down to make myself feel good. Surely I don't have to destroy other people's dreams because I don't have a dream. Joseph is thinking, I have a dream. And that's just the environment, though. This is what, I'm, this is what the Lord wants us to understand today. The environment. The environment of Joseph's dream. In all reality, that dream should have died when he was young. In all reality, that dream should have never made it out of his mouth. In all reality, he should have never had the dream in the first place. Can you imagine being a young boy and seeing Leah and Rachel, just the constant... always trying to one-up one another, always trying to tear down the other, always trying to get Jacob's attention. And then you got these other, are they concubines? Are they wives? Are they mothers? Are they handmaids? Who are these? Is this, this is my brother. This is my half-brother. And Jacob, I don't know where Jacob was. Maybe that's why he had time to be making coats. <laughs> Jacob's like, I'll be in the basement. <laughs> if there's an emergency, somebody come get me. I'll just be down here. Maybe Joseph, Joseph, maybe you should come with me, boy. <laughs> maybe you need to. Can you fault a man who's got another chance? 
Jacob did a lot of things wrong. And there's no doubt whatsoever biblically that Jacob's life and Jacob's mistakes and the things that Jacob did was part of the reason why his sons turned out the way they were. But he had a moment with God, remember? He wrestled with it, struggled with it. He wrestled with the Lord. I'm not going to let you go until you change me. He had said to the Lord, I don't want to be this way anymore. I can't undo the things I did to my brother when we were young. I can't do, undo the manipulation I did on my own father, by the way. And I can't undo the fact that I've been running for my life, basically, for all I can remember. But God, I've got a hold of you now here by this brook in the middle of the night. And I'm going to hold on to you until you change me. Because i got to have a change coming to my life. Because I can't stay the same way I am forever. Because i got some children behind me. And i got wives to pick on me and I got grandchildren coming and I'm going to have to be different than I used to be if this thing is going to work out. I've got a promise on me that there's going to be many nations come out of my bloodline but it ain't going to work like this. Something's going to have to change. Something's going to have to change. I can't do I can just see him. I can see him in his old age saying, God, something is not going to work. We've got a promise. A generational blessing is upon my head and my family that we are going to have nations. That is a, a mighty nation. Sands of the sea and the stars of the sky. We're going to be a mighty nation that is going to come. I've got a promise and a blessing upon me. But what I'm looking at now. I got women fighting. I got sons fighting. I got people cursing. I got people killing. We're scared for our lives. We may all be slaughtered tomorrow. There ain't no way this is going to work the way it is. But I got this Joseph here. The son of my old age. and Maybe I can do something different. Maybe I can show him something different, teach him something different. Maybe if I show him a little bit more love. Maybe if I spend a little bit more time with him and show him some affection. Maybe if I just, maybe if I just do it differently than I did it before because that obviously didn't work. So maybe I got to do something different so that something changes. These sinful behaviors seem to permeate the lives of Jacob's family and sons. It's the kind of stuff that Joseph would tell his father about. It's, it gives us context to Genesis 37 and 2. These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brother, and the lad was with the sons of Bela and with the sons Zilpah and his father's wives. He was with all of them. He was out with them, hanging out with them. And Joseph brought unto his father their evil report. Dad, you're not going to believe what they... How'd it go out there? How'd it go out there, Joseph? Dad, I got to tell you. There's something wrong with these people. Dad, I got to tell you. They, they, the way they think and the way they talk and the way they treat one another. I, I don't get it, Dad. I don't understand. You're not going to believe what Reuben did to Simeon. You're not going to believe what Levi said. You're not going to believe what Mama did. 
he gave the evil report. His dad, of course, was a man who manipulated his own brother out of his inheritance. His dad had lived in fear of his past mistakes coming to destroy him. Well, there it is. There's something there, right? Man, if you ever... <laughs> Talk about the ch- check in the spirit right there. Let me say it again. He lived in fear of his past mistakes coming to destroy him. His mother lived in near constant competition. And then his mother, whom his dad loved, who by all intents and purposes was a decent, decent mom to Joseph, then she dies when he's just a teenager. She dies giving birth to the last. You see, his brothers all seemed to live for the now. They, they, it was kind of just do whatever pleases you in the moment. Just react. Just react. Don't think it through. Don't measure your words. Don't measure your response. Just whatever you feel, just say it. Whatever you feel, just do it. That's how they lived their lives. That's, that's a life lived with the flesh in control. They had little respect for their father or their mothers or seemingly anyone. They were liars, they were thieves, they were murderers, and they justified all of their sinful actions. And in the middle of that was Joseph, still holding on to a dream. The reality of his life would have been very hard. The reality of Joseph's life would have been very difficult, dark, and challenging. The reality of his life was something that all of his other brothers had not been able to stand up against and had not been able to survive. They had all just eventually succumbed and submitted to the sin that was in their situation. And the reality was Joseph should have followed right along with them the temptations to join in with their sin. The temptations to be a partaker in their shame would have been very strong. It would have been daily. It would have been from the moment he woke up to the moment he went to bed he would have been facing sin and shame and also a very strong temptation to join in there was something inside of his flesh something that came through his DNA something that he was born into that wanted to sin and wanted to participate and wanted to be a part from morning till night he had to resist it and he had to fight it but when he went to sleep there was something else that came alive inside his spirit when he closed his eyes to the nonsense when he shut his ears to the lies and the deception there was a God who kept telling him Joseph there's more for you than this Joseph you can be greater than this Joseph you can survive you can thrive just hold on to the dream Hold on to the dream. So I have a, a simple point to make and then I'll be done, okay? <laughs> this story is in the Bible for a variety of powerful reasons. It's not even, Joseph is not part of the bloodline. Judah is the bloodline. 
You don't know a whole lot about Judah quite yet. But Joseph, same family, same household. Joseph is chosen because there's something inside of him that believes in better. He's a dreamer. And so God gives him a dream. And so the story is here for a variety of powerful reasons. And I've probably preached from the story of Joseph a hundred times, if not more. And you could do it a hundred more before you even touch the surface. It's a powerful story. But I need you to understand it's a powerful, real story. It's not doctored. It's not sugar-coated. There's no rose-colored glasses. It's raw. It's real, it's sad, it's scary, it's sinful, and it's all very, very true. Because it's real life. I said it's real life. And in this real life, humanity can get really messed up. And in real life, we can really hurt ourselves. And in real life, we can really hurt others. And in real life, we can get messed up by how we were raised. And in real life, we can mess up our children with how we're raising them. It's real life. And it's messy. And when it gets sinful, it compounds the mess. And sin will always destroy what was meant to be good. And sin will always tear down what was designed by God to build up. And sin will always corrupt that which was created to be beautiful. It will always give the chance, given the opportunity, if you let it in, if you bow down, if you obey, if you submit, it will always do what sin always does. And with a very kind spirit today and love as your pastor, let me just say, you may be looking at this mess that I've talked about today and finding some of it relatable. You may be hearing this story of Joseph and seeing some of your own life experiences. And because of that, you may think that there is no way out. You may think that you're too far gone. It's too far gone. You may think that the mistakes are permanent and the devastation is done. You may think that your environment has the final say over your outcome, but God wants you to know that you can still have a dream. And as long as you and I are willing to accept the dream that God has for our lives, then we are not beyond seeing that dream come to pass. You may have a dream about winning a bunch of money. Let it pass on, baby. You may have a dream about conquering something, becoming the all-powerful. I don't know what your dreams are. Maybe you're going to be a superstar. Maybe you're going to be a sports 
athlete that makes a lot of money, a famous singer or actor or actress. Uh, amen. Uh, I'll just give you a little warning. Uh, it ain't worth it. Uh, you might as well let that one go. Uh, but I'm telling you right now, uh, as long as you're willing to accept the dream uh, that God wants to put into your spirit, as long as you're willing to accept the dream uh, that God has for you, uh, you can still see that dream come to pass. Uh, I don't care if you're 17 or 70. I don't care how long you've known the Lord or whether you haven't even really met him yet. I'm telling you, if you're willing to accept God's dream, then you are able to see it come to pass. I don't believe that anything's over when you're talking about the one who holds all time and space. The ending from the beginning, how can it be over unless he says it's over? It ain't over. It's not done yet. Uh, you have a dream. I'm telling you, hear me today. You may have got a dream as a boy. You may have got a dream like Joseph as a teenager. You may have got that dream as a young adult. Or you may be sitting here today saying, Preacher, I'd love to have a dream, but I don't really even have a dream. I don't really even think there's anything good going to come into my life. I don't care how old you are today. I promise you, if you'll give God a chance in this altar this morning, he's going to put a dream down in your spirit. He's going to cut possibility in your soul. And when God puts it in there, the only thing can ruin it is if you give over to the darkness and the doubt and the discouragement. But if you'll shun the nonsense and hold on to the dream, I promise you there's a God who will bring it to pass. Oh, hallelujah. I'm telling you that a better life is a dream that God can bring to pass. Healing of a broken heart and a wounded spirit. That's a dream that God can make true. Deliverance from addiction and darkness and despair. That's a dream that God can make real. Hallelujah. I say he can make that real. I've seen that dream come true. I've seen wounded spirits healed. I've seen the brokenhearted pieces uh, put back together again. Uh, I've seen a mind that was torn to shreds uh, be made whole. I've seen it, and many of you have seen it too. Those are dreams that can come to pass. Uh, I've seen people get up out of the ditch uh, and find their way uh, to a solid rock. Uh, Lord, lead me to the rock uh, that is higher than I. If that's your dream, you're going to get there. If you hold on to that dream, he's going to lift you up. Reuniting and reconnecting of broken relationships. That's a dream God can do. Hope, strength, confidence, security. God can do it. You say, how can this be possible? What could ever be done? There's something that you need to understand about God and dreams. Joseph's story teaches us this. His dreams that were from God came to pass. You say, you telling me he became a bundle of wheat? No. But he was positioned by God to be in the right place when a drought was about to come on Egypt and all the wheat would be destroyed. And there would become a day when, because of God's using of Joseph, giving him wisdom, Egypt would be the only place in that part of the world where you could get any wheat at all. And he would have the wheat. 
And he would stand there controlling the wheat when his brothers showed up and bowed down before him. And just in case you don't know the story and you misinterpret it, when Joseph saw his brethren and they bowed down, he had to run out of the room and weep because he wasn't looking for some power and authority. He wasn't looking for payback. His dream had taken him higher than those types of things. His dream had taken him into a type of life that was so much better and so much further than vengeance and retribution holding on to negativity and hate he had given up on all that a long time ago because as he says with his own words God God it was God that got me here I, I, I know you guys beat me up and threw me in a pit and I heard you talk about murdering me and I know you lied to dad about my coat and I know you sold me to slavery, but never mind all that. Just telling somebody today, you've got a dream of a family unit that's whole and strong and loving and caring again. You've got a dream of restoring some relationships that have been destroyed because of other people's actions or even your own actions. If you want it, that's a dream God can bring to pass. But he's not going to bring it to pass if you're holding on to vengeance and holding on to I have to be right. And they're going to find out and I'm going to prove them wrong and I'll show them who's boss. No, no, no. You'll never get there that way. But Joseph, Joseph got there. He got there. It came to pass and the simple thing that you already know, but I'm just going to say it out loud anyway. The simple thing we need to understand is that his dreams that were from God came to pass because to God, they are not dreams. They're plans. It was a dream to Joseph it was a plan to God. It was a dream to Joseph, so he was wheat, and they were wheat, and they were sheaves, and they were bowing and standing. It was a dream to Joseph, so it was the sun, the moon, and the stars. It was a dream to Joseph, but to God, it was a plan. It was a plan to save his, his little nation that was still struggling, still battling and about to die of starvation. It was a plan to bring them to a place where they could grow and become a powerful nation. It was a plan where he needed somebody. He just needed one. Do you understand what I'm saying today? Out of all of those boys and those wives, out of all of that, God was trying to build a powerful nation and he just needed one dreamer. If I could just get one dreamer, it'll be all right. Reuben's going to have some things messed up. Simeon and Levi have messed some stuff up. Judah's got some issues. Benjamin coming along but if I can just get one that will be a dreamer I can propel this nation forward I can make this plan God said I can make this plan come to pass 12 boys 
12 messed up boys eventually become 12 tribes. tribes eventually represented by 12 precious stones on the garment of the priest 12 precious stones that are eventually represented by 12 foundations of heaven 12 messed up boys but one 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 who was able to have a dream and say I just believe that there's got to be something more than this and God gave him a dream. And to him it was a dream. And to Jacob it was a dream. And to Rachel it was a dream. And to it was a brother, his brothers it was a dream. In fact, it was a reason for them to even hate him more. But to God, it was a blueprint. It was a plan. His brothers could have had their own. But sin had their attention. I need you to hear me now. They could have lived a different life. They were born into an amazing family with an amazing promise. A covenant relationship with God was upon them. And they could have had it themselves. They could have lived differently. But they settled for what they could see. And they settled for the sin. And they settled for the nonsense that was around them. And they got themselves wrapped up in a bunch of childishness and, and selfishness and a bunch of ignorance. Amen. I'm telling you, you've got a dream today. And if you don't have one, God wants to give you one in the next couple of minutes. He wants it to give you a dream. And it's a plan for your life. And the best thing we can do today is come to this altar and let God start talking to us about his plan. And start working on us. We start repenting and asking God to forgive us of our sins so that he can get to talking about his plan for our life. want you to know that your dream life whether you've actually dreamed it or not will come to pass my last verse Joseph 40 and 8 they said unto him we have dreamed a dream and there is no interpreter for it this is a moment when Joseph is on his path to where God wants him to be but the enemy comes in and tries to knock him down a little bit he finds himself in prison but while he's in prison he's still a dreamer and there's some people having dreams and they need someone to interpret their dream. And look what Joseph says. We have a dream and there is no interpreter of it. And Joseph said unto them, do not interpretations belong to God? So you may be confused today. You may be scared. You may be unsure as to what God could possibly want with you or possibly do with you. You may be hesitant to even pursue a better life or a better way or even to lift your eyes up. You may be scared because you feel like it's not for you or you've been knocked down before and you don't understand what the dream is. God's trying to put something in your spirit. He's trying to put it in your spirit. He's trying to give you a dream and you don't understand it. And I just want you to understand, Joseph said the interpretation belongs to God. You don't have to understand it. You 
don't have to understand it. It may make as much sense as sheaves bowing down to sheaves. It may not make much sense to you at all. Amen. And what you think may be confusing. What you see may be dark. What you feel may cause something inside of your flesh to be fearful. But don't try. Hear me today. Don't try and be the interpreter of what a good life is. You'll just end up settling for less. Don't be trying to be the interpreter of what a good life is. You'll just find yourself living below that which God has in store for you. The interpretation belongs to God. Let God tell you his plans and let God bring it to pass. Stand with me and lift your hands unto the Lord, please. Lift your hands and begin to talk to the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you've already got a dream today, keep praying. If you've already got a dream today, I need to remind you it's your dream, but it's God's plan. And if you don't have a dream from God yet, this would be a good day to submit yourself and surrender yourself to God's plan. To God's plan. Thank you for listening to our podcast this week. We hope you enjoyed this message. Remember, if you would like to find out more information about our church or to contact us, please go online at connectpointupc.com. And also don't forget to subscribe in your podcast app so you will be automatically notified of new episodes. Thank you and we hope you have a great week. Thank you.